week, I was on a vision trip to the Dominican Republic. And what a vision trip is, especially working with teenagers, I go and um, see if it's a safe place for us to take our kids. I've been on 47 mission trips in my life, but I'd never been to the DR. And I needed to know when a parent comes to me and says, hey, is this, is this safe for my kids? I didn't want to stand there like a deer in headlights. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like we're going to figure it out, right? So went for a few days to check it out. And it was incredible, but I, I noticed something while I was on the plane and I, I got so tickled about it and then I got upset and I had all these emotions, but I was filling out my paperwork for um, customs going into the DR and the area where it said, are you a man, a woman? They had a whole lot of options besides man or woman. And I got tickled thinking about when I first filled that out, y'all, some of y'all remember this, it just said sex. And the first time I filled that out, I was like, what are they asking me? Like, and then I saw the M and the F and I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, I can, I can do this. And I was thinking about that and then I noticed that it was male or female or do you identify as da 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 And so I'm sitting on this flight thinking about the word identify and how so many people, I did that today we live in a society where you can identify as whatever you want. Like I want to identify as like five foot nine, 135 pounds, 27 and y'all are laughing but what if that's what I identify as right you know but like there's people have this idea this this mindset that it really doesn't always matter what's real what do I want to be real what do I identify as and so I'm sitting on this plane and I'm thinking about that and then I'm thinking about the United States is full of people who identify as Christians but how many of us are really followers of Jesus now, I don't want you to think that I'm sitting up here today to make you question your salvation. This is not condemning. This is just a thought process that I had, and I'm taking you on this journey with me. Now, with the whole identify, let's be honest. There are things about all of us we don't want people to know. There are things in our lives that we're like, man, I just don't want people to know that about me. And I thought, you know what? In order for me to fully identify as a follower of Christ, that also requires me to own some stuff. That requires me to be upfront and honest. So I made a little bit of a list. If you're like, I can't believe she told us all this, Pastor Randy and Pastor Jason will be back next week and you won't ever have to worry about this. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna share a few things with you. If you feel the need to sit in, there in your seat or online and judge me, that's between you and God, but I'm gonna just be really transparent for the next couple minutes. Number one, I hate meatloaf. <laughs> the food and the, and the group. No, I'm just kidding. I hate it. I, <laughs> Pastor Jason's always like, are you talking about the singer or the food? I'm like, yes, yeah, both. I hate meatloaf. And every time I say that, people are like, well, you haven't had my mom's. Look, I don't care if the Holy Spirit met your mom in her kitchen and together they made, I'm not eating it. <laughs> and if you think, if you're sitting here listening to this and you think you're going to invite me over and serve meatloaf and then be offended that I don't eat it, you heard I don't like it. You're the crazy person, not me. <laughs> I don't like it. I love, okay, no judgment, right? I love making plans. But I thoroughly enjoy when those plans get canceled. <laughs> I may be sucking my thumb before this is all said and done. I seldom go to the party, but I always want to be invited. 
I enjoy being alone, but never at night. For whatever reason, when it gets dark, I'm like, what's going on? Who's here at the house? <laughs> Poor Phil, he checks every closet. He's just like, Amber, nobody's stupid enough to come into this house. You're crazy. Like, no, they're not. Um, I purposely, okay. okay, any PETA people, please forgive me. I purposely try to kill squirrels that I see in the road. swerve out of the way, I'll knock your mailbox over to take that bad boy out. <laughs> um, I love rap music, like love rap music, especially early 90s. Some of you, if you feel the need to pray, now's the time to do that, I guess. According to Phil, I have three different, very distinct laughs. He and my kids make fun of me for that all the time. I don't know what they're talking about. Um, I love karaoke, but I cannot sing at all. I love karaoke, okay? Um, I do not like when people show up early. If I tell you we're having dinner at my house at 6, don't show up at 5.30. You can sit in your car. Like, don't come to my house early. I don't like that. I don't like one-uppers. You guys know what I'm talking about. Somebody can say, they can tell the worst birthing story, and this person comes up with a story There's like crazy. You're like, what is happening? Just let people be. Don't, don't one-up everybody. Um, few things in this world are as gross to me as hair and food. And there's a standing rule at my house. If you're unloading the dishwasher, if you're getting something to drink, if you have hair longer than Pastor Jason's, you have that bad boy up in a bun on your head. Because if there's hair in the food, I'm not eating there anymore. There's amazing restaurants that I've had hair in my food. I've not been back. And you're like, what are they? See me afterward. I'll fill you in. Just kidding. <laughs> Like, oh my goodness, this lady's crazy. Um, I assume everybody in the world wants to be my friend, and then I don't know what to do when they don't. Like, I'm just like awkward. I'm like, I don't want to be my friend. Like, what do I do with my hands? I don't know. Okay. Um, this one's, don't judge me on this one either. I avoid conversations with people that have really high-pitched voices. And it's not because I don't like them. My voice changes. I have a friend that she talks like this. And when she talks, I talk back to her that way. And I'll be on the phone and feel like, what are you doing? Why are you talking like that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm just this sweet, soft-spoken person. That sounds funny with the way my voice is right now. Okay. Um, I've broken my pinky toe too many times. And I don't even know why or how. And none of them are cool stories. Um, I think dessert should always be eaten first. We could pray and close service out. We just had revival. That's awesome. Um, I don't like trendy things. Like if I, if I have something, I see somebody else wearing it. I just don't wear it anymore. And it's not that person. It's just, I don't like trendy stuff. Um, I don't like the color brown. I think it's the ugliest color in the world. And it's even worse as the name of a, of a football team. Like could they have not come up with something better? You got the Vikings or the Browns. Wow, you got a lot going for you there, okay. Um, I told my kids they could go to college anywhere they wanted except for OSU or Ohio State or LSU, Louisiana. Work it out with Jesus, okay. Um, black, black is my absolute favorite color and I'm not depressed and I'm not gothic. I just like it. Um, I believe that Australia is full of things that want to kill you, and I have no desire to ever go there. I'm terrified of goats. 
deathly terrified of goats. If you bring a goat to my house, you better make sure you know the Lord because you might meet him. Um, I can function if the table has three forks and two spoons, but if I have my preference, I want to eat fried chicken with my hands. Um, I love going junking with my friends, but I hate shopping. This is one that Phil's not real proud of. You guys can pray for Phil now. If I pass a real dirty car in the parking lot, I always write something in the dirt. <laughs> Phil's like, you don't need to do that. And I'm like, from Phil. <laughs> Just kidding. When I pass a cop on the road, I get scared like I've got a trunk full of drugs or a dead body. And I don't. I automatically are like, they're about to take me down. I don't respond that way. It's weird. Maybe I need to get some help. I like bananas and peaches, but I don't like banana or peach flavored things. Um, I struggle showing grace to arrogant people. Soft handshakes gross me out. I love to laugh. It's my favorite thing to do, but I use humor to deflect insecurity and pain and fear. And I'm very afraid of rejection. And this last week when I was in the DR, there was a situation that happened that made me kind of question what I identify as. We were in a Suburban, and um, there was a translator in the front seat, and there was, I was sitting next to this little DR pastor, cutest little thing ever. His name was Elvis. I called him Elvis the whole time. Then to find out that it's not a V, it's a B. And I thought that was cute because my daughter loved Elvis Presley when she was little, but she couldn't say his name right. And she called him Elvis. But he didn't, that story doesn't translate just in case you wonder. It's like, uh. <laughs> So he's sitting next to me and we're driving down this road. There's all this traffic. And if you've ever driven in Central America, the DR is very similar. People are just like, hey, these stop signs are optional. These lanes are optional. Um, and so there is a motorcycle coming. We are stopped. We had just stopped because there was so much traffic and it wasn't our turn to go. And this motorcycle's coming at us about 55 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour. And another motorcycle is coming this way. And this guy coming at us to avoid hitting the other motorcycle rams into us full force. All I know is I see this little face and then it was gone. And the Suburban like it had like hydraulics or something on it, right? Like it was moving and everybody's freaking out. And all of a sudden you see the guy get up and he's holding his leg and we have to back up two feet so they can pull his motorcycle out from underneath the car. If we'd have been moving at all, he would have been dead. Now, I want to be real super spiritual with you and tell you that immediately I went into praying. I'm gonna be honest. Everybody's reaction was different. <laughs> I'm so glad he's okay, but my first thought was, Oh my gosh, if this guy's dead, this ruins this trip. <laughs> and that's horrible, right? That's horrible. But I'm being honest, that's what my thought. I thought, oh, this is going to be a bad trip. He's dead. Like, what now? How do I go home and tell parents, yeah, your kids are safe. People die on motorcycles. I saw it myself. But I look over at Pastor Elbus, and he's just praying for this man. And I was like, man, that's, that's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. You know, everybody else is getting out and they're, they're moving things and I'm just sitting there like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I really have never been in this situation before. And I'm, like, I, like I said, I don't want you to question 
So is she saying I'm not a Christian? I know what I'm saying is I think it's worth evaluating. Are you a Christian or do you identify as a Christian or are you living out your life as a follower of Jesus? There's good, bad, and ugly in all of us. There's good, bad, and ugly in us every day that we're having to work out, that we're having to comb through, that we're having to dissect to go, how I don't really like this part of myself. So I could give you 50 million examples and we could camp on this for three months, but I picked seven examples Jesus set that are cause for self-evaluation, okay? Number one, he loved everyone. John 3, 16, Romans 5, 8, Acts 10, 34, 35. It talks about how he loved the whole world. He loved us when we were still sinners. He doesn't show favoritism. And then in Luke 19, we see the story of Zacchaeus, where it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus decided to love us when we weren't lovable. Are you following me? He didn't love you because you're sitting up in this church right now. He didn't love you because you've got on your Sunday's best. He didn't love you because you're doing right. He loves you because he's God. And he chose to love us even when we weren't lovable, even when we hadn't accepted him. And so in order to be like Jesus, I think we have to stop and evaluate our lives and go, wait a minute. Am I loving people? Or is my love got stipulations? The creator of the universe doesn't, but does mine? Am I like, whoa, they identify as something different than what they are. They voted differently than me. They're crazy. That, that person's Muslim. They're already going to hell. Why does it matter? And we justify this, but when you see who Jesus was, he loved everybody. He loved the people who were heterosexual, homosexual. He loved the thieves. He loved the murderers. He loved the different religions. He loved the outcast. And I think that we need to ask ourselves. I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I love everyone? And do others feel loved by me? Next, number two, he had no hidden motives. You gotta love that. When you look at how he was with the rich young ruler, he straight up told him, this is what you're going to have to do. With the disciples, hey, buddy, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. There was no fluff. There was no, hey, do this, and then I'm going to, the, the, uh, you know, the, the small print. There was no hidden motive with Jesus. He was upfront, he was honest, he was transparent, and people flocked to him by the thousands. He didn't manipulate. And I get it. Like, as a mom with adult children, well, they're making stupid decisions. I'm just going to help them understand what they need to do. Phil, I need you to back me on this. He's like, you're on your own, girl. That's crazy. <laughs> Just play along. I'm not. I'm going to go outside and mow. Come on, be part of this. We're a team. And we justify, I mean, I'm not trying to ride your case like me too, but we justify our manipulation of people. Well, if I can just help them see it the way I see it. What happened to trusting God being God? Why don't you just show them to God and let God show them what they need to see? You know, God doesn't need us to rewrite scripture. He needs us to love people and give people the word. 
And this isn't even in my notes, but y'all, we have got to stop living on regurgitated stories from other people and have our own encounters with Jesus. But do we manipulate? Do we control? So I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I find myself manipulating or trying to control? Your husband, your wife, your children, your neighbors, the pastor, whatever ministry you're involved in. What are you doing? Number three, he prayed. Mark 6, 46, Luke 5, 16, Luke 6, 12, all similar stories. He removed himself to pray. He didn't, we're not talking about corporate prayer where we're standing at church and we all pray together. That's important. We're not talking about sitting down at dinner and bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus will give you a big surprise. Let's bless this food. Amen. <laughs> Do you say that? I just did. You can borrow it if you want to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm talking about when you look at the Son of God, God in, in flesh, removed himself away from everything and got in the presence of God and he prayed. Why? Obviously, if Jesus knew he needed to keep his perspective right by staying in the presence of God, don't you think we probably could benefit from that too? I know I could. I can, the people closest to me will tell you when I'm not, they'll be like, mm, Amber, you're off. Are you spending time with God like you need to? You're like, people ask you that? People who love me do. Are you in the word? Are you in communion with God? Are you talking to him by yourself? And y'all, you don't have to have some allotted prayer closet in your house that you're, honey, you need to build me a she shed. We're going to go. We're taking this to a whole new level. You can pray in your car. You can pray in the shower. You can pray. I mean, talking to God, you don't have to have a specific place to do it. Just do it. How about start with that? And if you get so great at it and you need a, a specific building for it, do you? But how about start with where you're at? And Jesus, he did. He talked. He said, hey, disciples, stay here. And he went and he prayed and he got in the presence of God and he talked to his father. Ask yourself, do I spend time in the presence of God that I need to? And I'm going to tell you something, don't be legalistic. Well, every day I spend this much time with God. How many of y'all know there are seasons we need to spend more time than we do? There's times that I probably need to just stay there. She is a hot mess. You just need to stay in that prayer closet. We're going to lock the door from the outside. You're not coming out till you get it figured out. <laughs> Do I spend time in the presence of God that I need to? Yeah. The number four, he rested. We've talked about this story before. In Mark 4, Jesus was in the middle of a boat with his disciples and there was a storm. And scripture says they found him asleep on a pillow. Now, if you've ever been outside when it's storming, you know it's raining, like there was nothing, it was the boat's rocking. But when you go to bed at night and you adjust your pillow, your intentions are, I'm going to stay here till morning unless my bladder says otherwise. <laughs> like, I, I'm camping here. This is where I'm going to be. Jesus was intentional about laying down and going to sleep. 
But I think what's important about that that we understand was that his circumstances weren't very restful. Like, how many times, don't raise your hand, but how many times do we say, oh, I'm under so much stress, I'm just not sleeping at night. You're a child of God. That should not be your answer. Your circumstances may not be great. There may be turmoil in the world in which you live. It may be chaos. But if your God is your God, and it's more than just identifying as his child, but you are walking in the fullness of being his child, you should be able to sleep, you should be able to rest, and you can trust him that if he gives you a tomorrow, he's got tomorrow handled. The chaos of our lives should never determine the peace of our souls. The chaos of our situations should not hinder us from trusting that God is in control. And you say, well, hey, he was God. Yeah, but the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is within us. So if that power's within us, this world can go to hell in a handbasket and we can be at peace knowing that Jesus has us. Do I, ask yourself, do I let circumstances decide if I rest or not? Number five, this is one of my favorites. John eleven thirty five says he wept. Jesus wept. I think it's interesting, Jesus was on his way to be with Lazarus, who was sick. And he shows up, and his sisters are like, you're late, dude. Where were you? He's dead. He's been dead. You didn't show up when you needed to. And they were grieving. And I want to tell you something, y'all. If you're grieving, grief is biblical. The Bible says there's a time for grieving. They were grieving. But Jesus wept. Did Jesus cry because he didn't know what he was going to do? Did he cry because he felt like he was out of control? Did he cry because he was like, well, I didn't know this was going to happen? Absolutely not. Jesus knew. Y'all hear me on this. Jesus knew that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew they were about to have a bologna and cheese sandwich. He knew everything was good. He's like, we're about to have fried bologna sandwich, a Dr. Pepper life is going to be great. But in that moment, these two sisters were crying. Why did he weep? He wept because he felt what they were feeling. Hear me on this. Those of you who've had babies before, I remember 21 plus years ago being a first time mom. And this little person I'm responsible for, I'm like, I can't keep up with a purse. How is this going to go? And he was crying, and he was upset, and he was acting like he was going to die. He was, he was hungry. And I was, and Phil had him. I was about ready to feed him, and Phil's like, make him stop. I'm like, I'm going to. And I remember distinctively at one moment crying. Not because I didn't know what I was about to do. Not because I thought the kid was going to die. Not because I thought the world ended. But I hurt as a mom knowing he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand that I'm about to take care of his needs. He doesn't understand that he's about to be milk drunk and passed out. <laughs> he does not understand. But in this moment, what he was feeling broke my heart because I knew I didn't know how to explain that where he would understand. 
There's something powerful about the Savior of the world not just coming in and fixing problems. He stopped and his posture was he got face to face with them and he felt what they were feeling. How often in our lives do we become just robots of fix, do, do. Your kids come to you with a problem that to you is not a big deal, but to them it's the end of the world. Do you stop? Do you remember what it's like to be 13 and have your friends turn their back on you? Do you sit down and go, I feel what you're feeling. Even though you know this is not the end. Even though you know this isn't the final. Even though you know God has the final say. When your friend calls you and says, he cheated on me again. Well, I told you he was going to do that the first time. What kind of compassion is that? Y'all, we're, we're doing the world a great disservice. Our representation of Jesus, if we don't feel when people are feeling, we're not representing him. We've got to learn to have compassion. We've got to learn to feel. That doesn't mean every time somebody's crying, you cry too. But y'all, this is a cowboy church. This is a man's church. And every man, both those two guys, I've seen them cry a million times. Why? Because they're babies? Tell it to their face. I'd like to see you do that. <laughs> Can I watch? Pop some popcorn. Pastor Randy, you're a baby. And he like pops his knuckles and <laughs> just kidding. But I've watched him cry because he feels what people are feeling. I've watched Pastor Jason do the same thing. And in that process, it makes me wonder, do I do I get so caught up in what I'm supposed to do? And I'm like, oh, I know the answer to this, or this is how you fix it. Do I take time to breathe and sit down and feel with people? Ask yourself this question. Do I open my heart up to feel what others are feeling? You, you can say, I've never, I don't even know. I've never been in her shoes. I've never been in his shoes. You don't have to walk through what they've walked through to walk with them. Do you know what I'm saying? You don't have to have gone through horrible situation to say, I'm here. When I was a kid, Southern women, what they would do is they'd make casseroles and come sit. Why have we stopped doing that? I need to know. Oh, because you don't want to pull your hair up? Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we got to learn to be compassionate for others. And I'm going to tell y'all something. Somebody needs to tell somebody. If somebody tells you something they're going through and you know it's stupid, the fact that they're telling you is they're not asking for you to tell them they're stupid. They're asking you to show some compassion. Show them, show them Jesus. Let Jesus deal with them. Let Jesus work those details out. Number six, he had peace and kept his composure. In John 8, 1 through 12, you have the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. And the religious leaders drag this woman to Jesus, not even because they cared about her. They wanted to trap him. What are you going to do about this? What do you think about this? What do you, th what do you say about this? And Jesus, being so rad, leans down and he plays in the dirt. I've heard people say what he wrote in the dirt. I'm going to tell you something. The Bible does not say what he wrote in the dirt. Why? Because that part's not important. The part that's important is that he didn't engage with people who were trying to enrage him. If Jesus was walking this earth right now, he would not be a Facebook warrior. He would not argue with people at the donut shop about what should happen for the state of Texas. Nobody got up and left on that one. I was surprised. Just kidding. He didn't argue, even 
Whoa, whoa, even when he knew the right answer, because he always knew the right answer. And he didn't avoid confrontation because he was weak. He was the son of God. He would have won every fight. Every fight. He was not all about to let their sin cause him to sin. This one's a hard one for me, y'all. Especially when I know what's right. Throw my hair back, and I'm like, let me tell you. He doodled in the dirt. He didn't allow people. I mean, there's story after story after story of people that were trying to get Jesus mad. Up until the moment they crucified him, he didn't respond. Well, I'm not weak. I'm going to tell people what I think. Okay, you do you. But ask yourself this. Is what I'm saying to people to prove that I'm right or is it pointing people back to Jesus? That's, to me, the difference between identifying as a Christian and being a follower of Jesus. The strongest of strong can hold their tongue. Ask yourself, am I stressed out? Do I get easily frustrated with others? And y'all, we all do. But that's where you give yourself a timeout. You've done it with your kids. Give yourself a timeout. But think of ahead of time and provide snacks. It works out better. What is all this in the grocery cart? I'm having a timeout later and you're not invited. <laughs> but if you know that people are getting to you, remove yourself from that. Doodle in the dirt. Allow yourself to not engage with people who are trying to get you to respond in a way that will cause you to stumble. And number seven, I'm telling you, I got like nine million of these, but I'm, I'm narrowed it down to seven. Number seven. He built a legacy. In John chapter 13, right before he is crucified, Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. He knew. He knew Peter was going to deny him three times. He washed Peter's feet. He knew Thomas was going to doubt him and need proof by sticking his hand in his side and his fingers in his hands, yet he washed Thomas's feet. He knew Judas was about to betray him. And he washed Judas's feet. There's things about people, there's things in our lives and people that we encounter that we know, man, they are going down this path. I don't know if you guys know this, but when you're doing something wrong, you know it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, Nobody who robs a bank goes, well, I didn't know that was a bad idea. <laughs> I wish somebody would have told me before I did that. He knew that they were going to make choices that didn't line up with his plan. But that didn't change who he was. Ask yourself, when it's all said and done, what will be said of my life? Are people going to say, well, they, he argued all the time just to prove his point? Or she always thought she was right, or she cried all the time because she never got her way. I mean, I think about that. I think about that oftentimes. Like, you guys, this is me. I'm talking about me. This is stuff I'm working through. And I know, like, I deal with teenagers, y'all. 
I know when they're doing things and they're not supposed to be doing it. And I know when they look at me and they're like, what are you going to do about it? And my heart breaks because I know they could be going a different direction. The reality is I have to determine, you have to determine, we have to determine. Are we going to be people who live our lives out like Jesus, regardless of how other people respond? It doesn't happen very often, especially in youth and kids ministry. You don't always get to see the fruit of what you've done. There's a young man that grew up in my youth ministry, Buckwild, man. I mean, wild, always in trouble. Every girl in town loved him. They all hated each other. It was fun to watch. Got a little girl in high school pregnant. Now he's got this eight-year-old boy. He took him on a trip. And this little boy said to him while they were in Hawaii, I'm like, my dad never took me to Hawaii. They were in Hawaii. He said, Daddy, when we get back, will you tell me everything that you know about God? He said, yeah. He goes, I want to know how to be a man of God, Dad. Are you a man of God? So he comes home. He's like, I got to figure this out. And he's been in this pursuit because he realizes there was stuff that was planted in him as a kid. I was part of that planting process. I thought, he is not getting this. He is not getting this. He just got back from a man's retreat with his church and God has wrecked his life. And he sends me a message and he said, I know you didn't think it stuck. It stuck. It took a little bit, but it stuck. And I, I sat there and thought, man, how many times are we so quick to throw in the towel because things don't happen the way we want them to? Or people don't respond the way we want them to respond. Or they don't do what we want them to do. Hello. And God says, I don't need you to be me. I need you to love. I need you to represent me. Let me do what I do. We have an opportunity, every single one of us, whether you're five years old or 105, to leave a legacy, and it can start right now. What do you identify as? But more importantly, Are you living it out? Is it real? When people see you, they don't question. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Men that call themselves women and you're like, are you sure about that? You don't want people to look at you and you say, I'm a Christian. They're like, mm, are you sure about that? It should be seen. It should be obvious. People should know when they, they come in contact with us. That is a follower of Jesus. Bow your heads with me all across this room. I'm not the analyzer of hearts. I don't know where you stand. I don't know what you face, but I will tell you something right now. It does not matter what you're going through. Jesus has already paid the price. He loves you. He sees you. He knows your name. So if you're in here right now and you say, I, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to do more than say I identify as a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I've never made that decision. I need to do that today. If that's you, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand because we want to pray with you. Anybody in here? Okay. Now, if you can say, just like me, I'm a Christian. But there's some areas in my life I need to work on. I need, to be, I, need to, I need to do better at that. 
Raise your hand. If it's just me, I'll raise my hand because I know I, there's a bunch Amber and Oblay needs to work on. Will y'all stand? Let's pray. You know what's beautiful about it? You raising your hand or not, God knows. If you're like, I raised my hand. He's going to know there's stuff I need to work on. He's like, kiddo, I've been telling you this for a long time. You just haven't been paying attention. Let's pray. And as we pray, I want to encourage you with something. When you walk out of these doors today and you walk into that mission field that you live in, know this. God's purposed you and planned you for such a time as this. You get to go and be his hands and feet. You don't have to fix people. You don't have to judge people. You don't have to be mean to people. You just get to love them. But they're weird. Love them. They're dysfunctional. Love them. They're walking in sin. Love them. It's the love of people that draws people to Jesus. Lord Jesus, we come to you right now and I thank you for every person within the sound of my voice. And God, I thank you that you have set such an incredible example in our lives, though they may be good, bad, and ugly, and we've got dysfunctional places and things we want to hide and things we don't want people to know about. Lord, I pray that we will boldly, openly, and honestly be real and authentic with who we are, allowing you to heal the things that need to be healed, allowing you to fix the things that are broken, and in the process, loving people, and for people to see that the only reason We've made it this far is because of you. None of us, none of us outside of you have anything to offer this world. Jesus, I pray that you move mightily in your people. You move mightily in the marriages here. And Lord, I pray that you just pour your spirit out on the leaders of these homes, these men, God, that they, they are mighty men for you. God, I pray that you give these women strength. You give them endurance, God, that you give them just a leading of your spirit on how to take care of their babies. And Lord, I pray for every person here that's single, that their identity and their security would be found in you. And if they don't want to get married, cool. And if they do, Lord, I pray you give them the desires of their heart. Lord, I pray that we be open and willing to let you heal us. Help us, Jesus, to stop just identifying as a Christian, but to walk our lives out as faithful followers of Jesus. And may our lives represent you in your precious, precious name, amen. Amen. We have prayer partners down here that would love to pray with you. We love you. Have an awesome week.